morning, everybody out there. WKXA, WKXL. Excuse me, my radio uh, mic keeps moving on me. What? We can't have that, Andrew. Uh, WKXL, New Hampshire TalkRadio.com. This is Jane Cormier, your host today for Artful Living here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and of course, our 101.9 FM in Manchester signal. Uh, and we hope everybody's staying warm. It's a little chilly out there right now, but I understand it's going to warm up, which will always be nice. And we've had three nice days of sun, I think. There's three or four. So I'm liking this. Is this a harbinger that maybe we're starting to get toward the spring? I don't believe it. That's nah, New England. Anyway, uh, Artful Living here, and we are going to be uh, talking a little bit about education in the state of New Hampshire today, and perhaps even beyond. Who knows? Our guest today is Diane Ryder from Bren- Benjamin Franklin Academy Charter School, which is in Loudoun. New Hampshire. And uh, for those of you that are regular listeners to Art for Living, you know that in the in the past, uh, probably about seven or eight months out, we had a number of visits from folks from Benjamin Franklin Academy uh, as the charter school was organizing to become open which it has this fall. And uh, so this is sort of just a connection and catching up what's going on at the charter school. And while we do that, we talk about school choice, which is always a a great um, topic in my mind. So, Diane Ryder, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So tell me, Diane, what capacity are you with Benjamin Franklin? I am on the board of trustees at Benjamin Franklin Academy Charter School. And how long have you been with them from the beginning? Yes, it's been roughly two years from um, my involvement with the charter school. We began as a um, a search committee or an advisory committee. Three people from a local town. Um, were three in- people. It all started with three people. Uh, there were three people working on the charter on one side, unbeknownst uh-huh. to us. And there were the three of us looking for options for our small town. Wowie zowie. And uh, so the town that you're from is... Pittsfield. Is Pittsfield. And so I remember that at the very beginning when we had Ben Franklin, that the school was trying to see if they could find a location in, in... in Pittsfield? Yes, we searched uh, through many properties mm-hmm. in Pittsfield, but um, we weren't able to find one to meet our needs and right. ended up in Loudoun. That's very close and in a great location. And so uh, we opened in September, I believe. That is correct. Mama mia. And that is such a that is such a stressful time for everybody. You know, there's so much going on in the new families and the new kids. And and I know that there was a uh, a building, right? Or a, um, what do they call it? A campus kind that you were uh, constructing at that time? Yes, we purchased um, nine acres with two buildings on it in Loudoun, and that all needed to be retrofitted by a company that has worked on uh, charter schools in New Hampshire. And so that took some time. We were hoping for it to be ready in September, but we've had a temporary facility that we've been operating out of. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll be moving in in the next week. Wow, great. Yeah, you know what? This 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 uh, construction thing, no matter what it is that you seem to be constructing these days, house or you name it, there always seems to be stuff that creeps in as you're doing the building, and it's like, oh, you know, you got to stop, and you got to, you got to, fix that and you get a retrofit this and uh so it's never an easy one two three is it 
No, we had uh, difficulty sourcing a part um, mm-hmm. from anywhere in the United States, actually, for the sprinkler system, which really slowed us down oh at the gosh. beginning. Um, which was um, so the staff and students have made do mm-hmm. and done very well in a. Um, uh, a start that we didn't anticipate. Yeah, that's okay. Necessity is the mother of invention. And you know what? When everybody's working together, especially if it's a small project, a smaller project, which a new school would be, um, I think that any kind of challenge that comes up is a great way to bond and to work together to get over the challenge, knowing that the, the, the new building is going to be right there ready to go. So, you know, you can look at it. People can look at it if they like in a sort of a negative way. But the truth is, is, That small school is now working together in the location that they're at, and they're going to be able to grow together as a school into the new building. I think it's a plus. That's awesome. So you think next week that that'll be a move-in, huh? Yeah, uh, we're hoping we have um, our our certificate of occupancy this week, and we have the New Hampshire DOE um, touring today, I believe, <clears throat> uh, for final approval. I was in the uh, building for a meeting uh, last week, uh-huh. and it is just lovely. Yay. It'll be perfect. Good, 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 good. Well, that's great. I'm sure everybody, the kids and families, are going to be excited. So tell us a little bit and remind our listeners, if you would, about the mission of Benjamin Franklin Academy Charter School. So the mission of Benjamin Franklin Academy Charter School is, and I'll read a little bit here, is to develop the hands, hands, heads, and hearts of students through a curriculum that focuses on the pursuit of happiness as envisioned by its namesake, Benjamin Franklin. Um, the uh, man who was the visionary, so to speak, for the school. Um, this is one of his favorite founders, mm-hmm. and um, that's how we ended up with our name. The curriculum is uh, history-centered, um, history-driven, uh, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, so that's in keeping with our name. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, um, the, the charter school movement in New Hampshire is... I think such an accolade to the state and to the people that have supported school choice here in the state. Um, There are so many wonderful opportunities for parents to navigate should the public school, you know, sector not be working for them for whatever reason. And I think that there are still, though, people out there that aren't quite um, in the know of what a charter school is. For instance, that there is, you don't pay tuition at a charter school. It's a public entity within the within the educational system and a lot of people think that um, you know that oh you know there's a tuition that will go if I change my kids to a charter school but a charter school isn't no we are a uh, public <coughs> charter school we are open to any student in the state of New Hampshire mm-hmm. um, ter- uh, transportation is provided by students that are from Loudon on the on the Loudon buses. However, students from other towns would have to uh, have their own transportation. Right. But other than that, um, they are welcome mm-hmm. uh, to apply, and there is no tuition. We are a, a public school. Right. Um, we're part of, as you say, a, a larger movement of school choice. We participated in the New Hampshire School Choice Fair uh, at the end of January with a number of other schools. I myself um, have a background in homeschooling. I homeschooled my own three children, which is an alternative uh, method. Um, Absolutely. So, and I actually have seen uh, a charter school in another state that um, was uh, developed out of a partnership between a city and a nonprofit that um, my husband and I worked at. 
and after we left it was formed and then a number of years I was able to go back and talk to the teachers there about oh, cool. the results. It was very cool. Wow, um, you could see that whole trans- transformation going on there. The, just to hear about the gains, the academic gains just in something uh, as basic as, as reading, which is uh, the foundation mm-hmm. of education, um, in the, the gains that they made were literally years within months uh, of working with the yes. children at that uh, situation. I don't know if people or parents or families really understand that when you spearhead trying to inculcate the the love of reading, (laughs) if you can do that, you can speed so much farther ahead. You can cover so much more. You can make that learning so much more effective and and a good thing, you know, a, 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 when it, when a student has to read something, they're not going, oh, you know, they're looking forward to the adventure that might be within the reading. I, I'm not sure that even in public school that they um, don't manifest the importance of trying to make reading a positive experience. You know what I mean? I, I don't see that happening much. Our achievement tests nationwide and in New Hampshire indicate that the the reading levels are much lower than they ought to be for um, our students, which is sad. Oftentimes you see a disillusionment with school, uh, traditional schooling at a young age in children, and we're hoping to um, combat some of that. Why did that happen, Diane? I don't understand when that happened. You know, I'm, I'm in my 60s, right? However, I have very clear remembrance. I don't know about you, but I remember very clearly in especially first, second grade time when that reading uh, became part of, you know, part of my learning. I I was a very slow learner. I had a, a lazy eye that wasn't really caught until my second grade year. So first grade, when we were trying to do the reading, I was way, way behind. Second year, worse right and uh, then they pulled out the old patch and I stayed back second year but that second year I learned what reading was and I can remember going oh my gosh you know I can read all these stories and it was such an adventure I'm not sure that we think about reading as an adventure let's talk about that when we come back a little bit because I think that's an important topic for anybody that's listening Um, we have to get our kids to love reading again so this is Art for Living stay right where you are here on WKXL NewHampshireTalkRadio.com and we will be right back right after this little break This is Jane Cormier, your host today for Art for Living here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. If you're just joining us here on WKXL, my guest today is Diane Ryder, who is a board member from Benjamin Franklin Academy Charter School in Loudoun. And in the first segment, we were sort of getting an introduction into this new charter school and how they're just moving into their brand new facility very, very soon. And uh, we stopped, We at the break, we were talking a little bit about reading in specifics, you know, in specificity, specificity, that reading doesn't seem to be something that most people are really embracing as a way to improve education on every level. 
Um, and I'm wondering when that happened. When did that start? Because I remember reading was important when I was a kid in school. It was heralded, heralded as an important learning tool. And then as a teacher, I don't recall through the years really seeing, I know we always say, oh, we got to do better with reading scores, but there hasn't been a movement to actually try to, you know, make kids like reading. We're hoping at um, Benjamin Franklin Academy <coughs> Charter School to um, change that for the students that are there. Our students are coming at grade six, so generally their reading has begun by mm -hmm. then. But um, oftentimes, um, or, or what we want to offer is, in our curriculum is, as, as I mentioned before, it's history-centric or history-driven. Almost, I use the term almost like a unit study approach, where if you're studying ancient history, um, the literature in the English uh, or language arts mm -hmm. um, classes would um, either be from that uh, time period or about that time period. The uh, <laughs> theater program uh, might uh, use uh, art history, music history from that time period, mm -hmm. um, a play about that time period. So the one of the, uh, the words, the phrases that is used in our charter is a content-rich curriculum. Mm -hmm. So once you get past the uh, ability to read and, and, and you start there, yep. um, which is, it's just foundational, you can open up worlds um, yes. to the students. So those three, almost a, um, one of our founders uses the term a semi-classical approach, mm -hmm. and I like to use the uh, the phrase like a humanities approach, where those subjects are linked. Sure, um, math and science can be drawn in as well, um, but those three uh, kind of work together sure. really well. And and reading is really the like you said the foundation. Right. Of opening those worlds up. Definitely. And there's only so many hours and so many days and so much to choose from mm -hmm. uh, for reading. So to have that um, history driven um, <clears throat> timeline yeah. um, really makes the reading that we're doing content rich. Yes. Um, and, so. and makes more sense, too. And in a lot of ways, as they're learning. They're learning about the facets within that time period all together as they're linked together in yes. a very interesting way mm -hmm. to uh, bring learning to our students. You know, I teach music mm -hmm. uh, at St. John's, and uh, I'd like to think that my class is a lot more than music because I try to make it a lot more than just about music. We try to, I try to reach kids that, um, you know, might not even like music, but there's a way that we can use it. To connect. The one thing I do talk to them about a lot, and I do this uh, deliberately in my class, is that we do very varied things. Sometimes those things include a reading component, okay? Very short little reading component. Whether it's about a composer, whether it's about a, a musical time frame, history of music, you know, in Western civilization. And um, I always tell them, or it, it might even be music theory. We're going to do a worksheet. I'll throw a worksheet at them that has uh, a pretty complex direction right and i do it deliberately the kids are probably going oh that's cormier you know but the point i try to make is if we don't embrace the reading and you your reading of those directions is is flawed in some way you're not complete right you cannot complete this short exercise correctly I'm always trying to get them to see that the reading is not a throwaway. If you want to build that coffee table and you have the directions in front of you, the directions aren't going to help you build a strong, good coffee table 
if you can't really read exactly what the directions are saying. And I think that the scores that we see in the reading today, I often wonder when they're taking the tests, uh, and I mention this to my kids, you know, when you take those scholastic tests, are you really reading for comprehension what they're asking you to do? And it always is weird when this conversation comes up because you could see like the little lights going off in their eyes. I, maybe because it's their, their, the approach is different, right? And they're thinking about it a little bit. But really, I think that for this generation, from the students I work with, it is a push to have them read something and then have to comprehend something other than what's on that written page now as a factoid. Right. To actually have to take that information and build it to to answer a question. And I think it's a skill that we're not doing near enough. Maybe, you know, your school is probably taking care of that a little bit more with the richness of how they're keeping units together. Right. The uh, one of the things that you read about and the uh, things that are being studied today is the effect of children being on electronics and screens and phones and everyone you talk to, you know, attention spans that are in sound, kind of sound, sound bites um, or scroll bites, if, yes. you wanna, if you want to call it that. Um, it, one of the things that's uh, different at Benjamin Franklin Academy um, is that we don't have the cell phones during the day at all. Yes. Um, we do use screens uh, for our Alex uh, math program, mm-hmm. which is a somewhat self-directed program. And, um, you know, there are assignments that might use Google Classroom. And we're not opposed to learning, obviously, the technology that we need of in today's society. But um, the idea to connect uh, children to the real world more than the virtual world. Yes. Um, and to be able to have longer attention spans and to converse and to interact with um, uh, uh classmates and material for longer than a soundbite or a scroll bite. Um, and I think that that in, uh, encourages reading, uh, deeper reading levels. Yes. Um, and it, this discussion comes up a lot, too, with math, um, that if the reading literacy is not on target, then the math obviously suffers right. when you get to the word problems and, and applying the math skills. There it is. Absolutely. I, you have just nailed it for me. That's exactly correct. The reading inhibits in other, you know, in other ways, the learning of even adults. You know, I can even the, the in the what is the word? They get impatient. People get impatient, uh, you know, if it's more than three, four seconds these days. Mm-hmm. And that that is bad for the human animal. I believe that that's a big negative. While technology has a place and is a positive in many ways. Um, how about how a student will interact with someone else when what they say doesn't match what they see? Right? And, and texting, emails, all this stuff, that doesn't happen. Right. So if I if I say to someone that let's say I'm talking to a student and I'm redirecting. okay, and um, my my voice is okay, Johnny, you know, we can't be doing that right now. Right. Doesn't match the importance that Johnny, you know, stop smacking the kid next to him. Right. The message doesn't line up. And I think that where this technology is, is hurting us is that you don't have to have human, human interaction is multifaceted. We communicate in multiple ways when we're doing it. And 
we're not we're not getting that sometimes with kids. That's interesting. Uh, the the nonverbals, tone of voice, um, a body posture, um, things like that. When you live in a virtual world, are missing. Mm-hmm. Um, the a man who was the visionary for this school um, is a longtime teacher and had noticed the effect of screens and total, constant screen time on our young people. And no one can uh, ignore the disillusionment um, and despair in our, especially our teens yes. right now. Um, and there are many things connecting that to the minimum hours spent um, or the average hours spent on something like TikTok. TikTok was, mm-hmm. The last I read was like two hours a day or Isn't something that like crazy, that. Huh? Right. So we're so part of his desire uh, for founding this school was to um, to change that. Yes. Uh, one of the lines that I really like uh, from our mis- uh, vision and mission statement uh, or one of the phrases is. Um, that students will become uh, problem solvers and gain self-confidence through achievement. Um, how often when we're going to learn something, is it um, a little bit of um, you're uh, faced with the new material or the new problem and there's kind of a struggle, struggle, success, right. struggle, struggle, success. That's the path uh, through uh, work, hard work yep. and attention. And then the achievement that you've actually mastered a skill, right. mastered um, some information. Indeed. And you know you did it. Yes. That's the thing. Yes. It wasn't given exactly. to you. That student or that person has the confidence to know, I did that. And that changes that person. Exactly. You can't give it away. It has to be earned. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a little break here. Art for Living, Jane Cormier, your host, WKXL, NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. Our guest is Diane Ryder. And we will be right back after this short message. Welcome back. Art for Living here. Jane Cormier, your host on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. If you're just joining us today, we have a guest, Diane Ryder from Benjamin Franklin Academy Charter School. And we've been sort of philosophizing here about learning, but most most assuredly learning about the hands, heads, hearts, hands, heads, hearts. Say that fast. Um, a history-centered curriculum at Benjamin Franklin. And we were talking about the learning of students today, which is somewhat challenging with, we think, anyway, I believe, with all the technology that these students are facing. And uh, I, I give a shout-out to Benjamin Franklin Academy for really offering s- parents a choice uh, if they want to be, you know, very specific in in how they're going to educate their student, this is another choice. School choice is a good thing no matter what anyone says. Anything that empowers a parent, I believe, to feel like they're helping and assisting their learning, the learning of their children, that's a plus. Homeschooling is a plus. Charter schools is a plus. Catholic schools are a plus. These are all choices. And uh, New Hampshire really does a fine job with this, I think. Yes, when uh, three of us from our small town um, started to look 
the situation over more more carefully. Um, some uh, one man, one gentleman had been involved on the school board. I had been involved on the school board. Another woman uh, was attending the meetings regularly. Had children in the school, and together we informally just decided we wanted to be part of a, of the solution mm-hmm. and began looking. We began touring charter schools in the area. And were linked with a three-person um, founder um, committee that had created a charter, um, and that's how we just got involved um, in uh, this aspect of the school choice movement, mm-hmm. um, the public charter schools in New Hampshire. And it's it's great to have choice and options for parents. Um, and I'm I'm so happy to be part of um, finding solutions. Yes, um, offering positive options. Um, one of the um, things that differentiates us from other schools is as many schools are moving away from industrial arts type programs, hands-on par- uh, type programs, mm-hmm. uh, we are moving into that. Yes. We are moving toward that. Uh, one of the uh, pillars of our uh, school, so to speak, our academic pillars, is something called Toolbox, which is very similar to old-fashioned industrial arts with perhaps an agricultural component and an entrepreneurship component. Entrepreneur. Um, entrepreneur. Wow. <laughs> Imagine that, you know, having right. a school that actually talks about that. That's <laughs> awesome. So um, we have a beautiful new a large room uh, that will be equipped um, with different tools. We'll start with hand tools and move on up. Um, we have eight acres, so there's options to do things outdoors. Cool. Um, so we're, we're pretty excited about that. Um, the move away from vocational education and the need in our society for students that for their own sake, know how to handle themselves yeah. in their own home, in their own life, huh. um, but also the trades. Yeah. Um, the trades are just a, an awesome option for students. Of course, um, and, not, and great living. I mean, especially today, you know, the trade. I don't know why we looked down on those for so many years, and now now I think they're a little bit of a renaissance, understanding what we've lost by not you know, promoting that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everywhere you go, you talk to people, they say the same thing. Just just in random conversations, yeah. um, they do say the same thing, that uh, people are different. Um, we need all different aspects in society and to uh, the one size fits all um, to automatically just follow this uh, path that oftentimes leads to huge student debt. Yeah, no kidding. Um, with, um, without the ability to, to repay it. Yeah. Um, the is 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 a real problem so we like to think that we're part of the solution early on at uh, benjamin franklin academy public charter school yeah absolutely i mean it's definitely one of the choices so i i'm going to bring up something that just it may not or you know fit what we're exactly what we're talking about but i know that you're a real knowledgeable gal and uh i think that uh parents today uh, take a big hit I, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mindset, as being in the academic you know, environment for many years, and this has changed, but I think parents really do get um, a bad shake sometimes with regard to education, because I think there was such a push for so many years, for a generation, that there was really that one way to get an education was the way to do it. I know what I mean. The college experience, you know, your student has to have the college experience, right? That was really the only way to do it. And now we're finding out that that wasn't always so true. Or the methods within the public school sector that they have undertaken, you know, to try to manage different learning styles, et cetera, um, have been 
problematic. You know, it has been a challenge, right? And where has all this left the parent? Right now, it seems like there's a a division, and I, I think sometimes it's a false divide, Um, It's fueled oftentimes by media. Um, There doesn't have to be a division between the teachers and the parents. Absolutely. The the parents bring their children um, and invite uh, schools and teachers into um, the education of their child. Right. Um, Not the other way around. Correct. Correct. Um, And I, I think that public charter schools, and especially Benjamin Franklin Academy Charter School, has the opportunity to show that that can work, that the goal is to work together and not to work uh, separately with... Um, Subservient to another, you know, because that's how a lot of these parents in public schools who I've worked with, who I've discussed and talked about, conversed, um, they many times feel like the structure of the public school takes away their ability to be participatory in the relationship. They really do feel this way. And I think now that they're finding out that there's ways to get out and go to another school or, you know, they're not going to necessarily have to pay a big tuition or a tuition at all for a charter school, uh, has offered them a feeling that they can participate more in the education. Because it isn't about them taking your children, right? It's, yes, it's a, it's a partnership. It's yeah. a partnership with uh, roles, and the parental role needs to be recognized, yes. and the teacher role needs to be recognized, and, and how those work together. On our board, we um, in our charter, we have a minimum of, um, it allows for a minimum of two um, parent board members, Good. up to four parent board members. Wow. We have four parent board members currently out of the uh, seven-member board. Um, we also, because we're, our goal is to remain a small size school, mm-hmm. ultimately when we are um, grades six through 12, right now we started with six through eight. Next year we'll add a year, so it'll be six through nine until we're up uh, to 12. Through, through 12. Yeah. Uh, the goal is to not be more than, say, 100, 125 students in the building or in the school. So maintaining that smaller size, more local um, feel, mm-hmm. um, even though we draw from numerous communities, I think makes parents uh, or has the opportunity for parents to feel more involved. Yes. Um, and to be able to know everybody and mm-hmm. to be able to participate. Um, the, last week, I was able to watch some parents and their children um, assemble furniture at the school. Wow. Talk about the beginning of, of your industrial arts or your <laughs> a toolbox lessons, Here so you to go. speak. We were all there, and um, there was uh, all that furniture getting assembled for the um, office, the main office at the school. Yeah, and what a, what a great opportunity opportunity that sometimes in a a larger school that's um, <clears throat> it's just. Uh, sometimes it, it, the, the bureaucracy is yeah. becomes kind of entrenched. I like to use the um, word learning instead of education sometimes. There you go. Because education conjures up um, budgets and big brick buildings and enormous b- bureaucracy. And the word learning, learning happens everywhere, every day, especially with children and students and young people yeah. um, as time passes. Absolutely. And we want to work with that process, not against it. It's a human process. It's a human experience, learning. And I think that's a great distinction between the two because there's been so much in in forcing education, a certain way of education. Um, and to just take that term out and just say learning is so much more effective. That's great. So I think that's uh, pretty awesome that you have a large voice of the parents right on the board 
And the fact that you know starting out that it's not ever going, it, the goal is never to be this huge, big school, that it wants to stay small and, and feed the learning of, you know, a really small student body. And especially the uh, the tech end, the um, industrial, I should say. Oh, I say tech, everybody mm. thinks computers now. Remember, we used to call it Votech. Yes, yes. The term that we chose is toolbox. But go. the idea is is something like the, the vocational. Another aspect that parents can get involved in and that um, is um, something that might be a little bit different is we really wanted to emphasize um, more outside of the school time or people from outside coming into the school to make presentations. Mm -hmm. So we call that component Open Roads. Great. Great. Okay, well, we're going to take a little break here, but when we come back, let's talk a little bit about Open Roads at Benjamin Franklin Academy Charter School. Jane Cormier, you're a host here on Art for Living, WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. We'll be right back, so hang tight. Everybody out there, WKXL New Hampshire Talk Radio here. Jane Cormier, your host at Artful Living here on WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. If you're just joining us, we have a guest, Diane Ryder, from Benjamin Franklin Academy Charter School right here in Loudoun, New Hampshire. Brand new charter school just opening up. And uh, in this last segment when we were talking, Diane, you talked about something which offers the student body at the school the ability to interact with people far beyond their school setting, right? And you call this program Open Roads. Yes. Um, the idea about Open Roads is similar to probably people would think of field trips. Um, oftentimes, uh, schools are down to one or two field trips, if that. Yeah. The goal for this is uh, it would be ideal weekly, but we do have to hammer out the details of that. So you, we might go somewhere as distant as you know going down to uh, do the Freedom Trail, which would be uh, which would dovetail with our history-driven curriculum. Yep. However, there's so much just in Loudon um, that could. Uh, um, enrich the lives of our students to know what's going on in the community whether we would tour a farm or whether someone from a local business would come in and speak to the mm -hmm. students um, all different opportunities to really um, foster that and nurture that is yeah. one of our pillars um, it connects the academic world which is necessary uh, you know there is book learning yeah. um, content rich book learning ha that needs to happen obviously but to link that with a uh, real life experience and to broaden um the awareness of our youth of what's out there of course what's out there in the real world to engage them with what's out there and what's possible i think that's an awesome idea i think that i remember when whatever school i was in field trips were always big on on my list and the principals would see me coming and they go, oh, but I really do believe that, you know, when we can engage students in different ways other than behind four walls at a desk, we are really going to help them learn. 
Yes, and and we we need both. Yeah. You know, we need that intellectual exercise. It's it's like exercise for our brain. Mm-hmm. We, we know that we should be moving and exercising our body. We do need to exercise our brain. If it's a, a math problem, or um, maybe you're studying a language, mm-hmm. or um, um, reading a book that's a little bit harder than you read last year. Right. Um, so that we need that challenge, but we also need to know. Um, what's going on um, in the area of agriculture, the earth, the um, outdoors, mm-hmm. the um, creating and making with our hands? Small what, businesses. Right, small business. What happens in a, a microeconomy yeah. um, from an early age, not um, thrown into this, um, you know, this this world, so to speak, at age 18 and yes. okay, sink or swim. Yes. Um, start early. Yes, um, absolutely. I love it when you're in when you're in some schools and it's like the seniors now get to go on some field trips or see or talk to some people. They're like 18 years old now. You know, you you have to wonder what the benefit would have been maybe sixth grade if we started the process of introducing, you know, all these different people and opportunities. And it just makes your mind open up to so many different possibilities. Whereas if we're in the school, just at the school, right, um, yeah, it's a little more challenging, I think, to make that a positive. I, I think that uh, at the state level, um, there's been a move recently uh, with the um, personal uh, finance requirement mm-hmm. for graduating high school in the state of New Hampshire, and the civics uh, requirement was a relatively new. Yeah, um, both of those, we our students need to know how our government operates, mm-hmm. um, how to. Um, conduct themselves as a citizen and also they need to know about personal finance and um, just uh, (laughs) their microeconomy whether they ever become macroeconomists or go into the field of of economics is another thing but just operating in in daily life so that was really good to see and and we hope to um, to uh, build on that Mm -hmm. definitely so many great things happening there I mean so many what some might consider small things but you know what the smalls lead the small things lead to big things being able to calculate the interest on a loan that you might take from a bank might seem to some not a big deal right but it really is a big deal if you know that information before you go to the bank and understand how that's going to work Absolutely. How important is it to know that information so that you can operate your life, but also so you don't be uh, you aren't taken advantage of? Yes, exactly. Um, and and just um, fall into a situation that you had no idea. How, how much uh, better to be informed first? Yes. And why not start young? Absolutely. And the same thing goes for for education on the higher level, like the the. You know, college education, you know, I mean, there are so many other ways that one can receive a good, solid college education. And it doesn't always mean going to the school that's $50,000 a year for four years. I mean, maybe it's two years of, you know, a local local college, local two-year college, and then transfer. Maybe it's like you're doing, you're starting already the building of the trade um, to find out you know, maybe how do how a heating person? How are we going to HVAC? You know, kind of thing. All of these are opportunities people can learn about, and I think that it's important now with school choice opening up the way it is in New Hampshire. These things are becoming more, you know, present to, to children in the school setting, which is the way it should have always been. Absolutely. Sometimes school choice is characterized as. Um, in a negative, yeah, and I just don't see that. Uh, there are I often, sometimes I'll see the argument that um, 
wealthy people are benefiting and uh, financially. I just don't see that. Um, it's a philanthropic endeavor for them. Oftentimes, it's not this huge money-making <laughs> scheme. I do not see uh, students. Um, I see students that maybe are falling through the cracks other places yeah, or right. have a need, and that need is being met. Um, I see parents being empowered when they are watching their student and realizing something is not quite right. Yes. Um, They're not progressing as well as they should, or they're disillusioned already with school, mm-hmm. or um, they just need something different. The, the school choice movement is nothing but a boon and uh, for New Hampshire. Right. Um, and for parents. Right. And I think it's, I know it's sometimes is a dirty word, I think it's the politicking of the term that infl- in, infers a negative, you know, that somehow you're pulling resources or things away from the public sector, which doesn't even make sense because charter schools are public schools. Yes, and, and we need to go back to the basics that the government doesn't have any money on its own. Yes. The money that government runs on is from um, citizens who work no. and pay in. You mean it's not on a tree? And, and um, <laughs> that's distributed back to parents in some respects with the, uh, the new EFAs, which we do not take, uh, public charter schools do not operate using the EFAs, that would be other school choice. We operate more, uh, a little bit more financially like the public school. We mm-hmm. are, um, we have a um, stipend from the state, sure. um, a, um, an adequacy amount of money that's, that's available to us per student. Right. Um, but those options should be available of to course. the taxpayers who are paying taxes into the government. And um, what a concept. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it is their money originally. Yes. And uh, the goal is to educate our youth not to have simply seat time mm-hmm. um, in a, a body in a building so many hours and so many days a week, but to actually master um, mm-hmm. skills, master material, um, in, and engage in learning. Yeah. And productive learning and productive interact- interacting with each other. I yes. mean, that's, we don't talk about that near enough, especially when we're seeing things in our world kind of crumbling around us outside, you know, crime and all that other thing, all that other stuff happening. Some of that, some of that is happening because, you know, the youth, I believe, of this country has not been assisted within, you know, how we're going to get together kind of thing, how we communicate, how we work together. None of that is happening. And so we have these pockets of um, things that are very negative that are affecting everybody. Because I'm not sure we've done a great job on, on all levels with regard to assisting our youth to, you know, be group-oriented and kind and, and to do good things, to do good things that help other people. Hands, heads, and hearts, uh, as, as the, you know, Benjamin Franklin... Academy Charter School motto, um, I think manifests really positive things. The whole person, I think, yes. uh, kind of a three hundred and sixty approach. Um, Correct. A well-rounded whole person is is what we're after um, for these students because it seems um, best mm-hmm. for them to function in life and to lead a hopeful um, and productive and. Uh, 
a positive right a full uh, life positive full life absolutely yes, for sure and it's true that it's just you know a truth that if you can help the individual get there they're better for the whole community around them so it's like planting seeds absolutely it just keeps growing Diane, thank you so much for being with us today. Diane Ryder from Benjamin Franklin Academy Charter School has joined us here on Artful Living. Uh, and I assume that you are taking students. Yes, open enrollment right now. And what is the website? Um, BenjaminFranklin.academy. Dot Academy. Yes. There you go. Dot Academy. If you want information, BenjaminFranklin.academy. Thank you for joining us today on Artful Living, WKXL, New Hampshire Talk Radio.com. Have a great day, everyone.